0: Uh, My name is Joe Valenti. I'm one of the pastors here. I serve with our middle school students, high school students, and uh, with missions as well. And we are closing our Risk Takers series today, and we're going to be in Joshua 1. So if you would, turn in your Bibles there to Joshua 1. Uh, As we close this series, I want to provide sort of some guidelines for risk-taking. Over the last many weeks, we have looked at several biblical characters and how they took risks uh, for God, but I want to make sure that we are a church who are taking risk in the right way. And so I've titled this morning's sermon, Risk-Taking 101, and God's conversation with Joshua in Joshua 1, I think, is a good case study. So uh, let's read the text together uh, this morning, and then we'll pray and dig into it. Joshua 1, starting in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law of Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then... You will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. God, I ask this morning that you would powerfully and clearly speak to us through your word. That your Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. Your word is truth. And let us be a people who will submit our lives to it. Who will come up under it and allow it to be the ultimate authority in every decision we make and every risk that we take. In your name we pray. Amen. So here we have this little pep talk that God is giving to Joshua. Joshua right? And, and three times he says, be strong and courageous, right? And I think our view of Joshua as we, as we look and in, in, in read the book of Joshua, like he's, a, he's, a, he's kind of a stud, you know? He's a, he's a great military commander. But it's important for us to notice here that God, why, why would God say to him three times, be strong and courageous? Probably because he's terrified. I mean, consider the situation that Joshua is in right now. First of all, Moses is dead, and Moses, right, we know was a great leader of the Israelites. God used Moses in some phenomenal ways, both to, both to bring his people out of Egypt, to bring his law to them in the, in the Ten Commandments, the building of the tabernacle. Like Moses is no slouch, right? And so Joshua is now called to fill these shoes. Not only that, they're getting ready to cross the Jordan River into the promised land. And I think a lot of times when we, uh, you know, hear this story, we think of like the cute little brook that meanders through Brecksville, like that portion of the Cuyahoga, right? But it's not, right? They, they, are, right, they are just north of the Dead Sea, right? And we know that rivers widen as they get uh, close to where they're going to empty out into. And there was a basin that was kind of hewn... Uh, between mountains here, and it's probably around 100 feet deep, and the Jordan is in flood stage. And so it's probably humanly impossible for them to cross over this river. The wise thing would have been to go north, where it's a little easier to get across, but God says, nope, get up, we're going right here. And not only that, so Moses is dead, we have the Jordan River in flood stage, but when they get to the other side of the river, a dessert reception is not what's going to happen right? Like all of these kingdoms are not going to go, oh good, the Israelites are here to take our land. Come on in. We have, uh, the Bible gives us a record of 31 kingdoms that are on the other side of the river that would like nothing more than to knock the Israelites' feet out from under them. And so Joshua has a lot in front of him. And I think for most of us that we have some of these similar Fears, concerns, a need for God to say to you and I, be strong and courageous. Because taking risks for him is scary. It's costly. They're difficult. There are lots of them, right? No matter how big or small, being a life house and sharing the gospel with your community, giving financially, sacrificially towards a cause that advances the gospel, choosing right to accept your singleness and uh, and, and serving the Lord in that instead of searching for a spouse, adopting a child, going on a mission trip, or changing your whole life, leaving your home in Cleveland to move to North Carolina opening your home up to refugees or people that are in need, standing up for Jesus, students in your school or in your locker room, right? All of these things uh, are scary. They can be dangerous and they can be costly. But the goal of this series, this is really important, the goal of the risk taker series is not to bolster your confidence in yourself or in your skill set. The goal of the risk taker series is to to bolster your confidence and your faith in the God that will never leave you or forsake you. And so we're going to look at three things that are true of risk takers this morning, true biblical risk takers. Here's number one. Risk takers are confident in God's promises. Verse three. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Notice the tense, right? It's past tense. I have given, I already gave it. God's promises are sure. I've already given it to you just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory He comments on the promise again in verse six. Be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. So what is this promise, right? Let's set the scene a little bit. Go back in our biblical history a bit to Genesis 12 and Genesis 15 and we meet a man named Abraham. And God has a plan for Abraham and Abraham's descendants. And he promises Abraham, I will give you descendants as many as there are sands on the seashore. And I will bring this people to a land that will be for their own taking. A land flowing with milk and honey. And God takes Abraham on quite a journey. And then Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. And by the time we get to Joseph at the end of Genesis, we have. Israelites that number as many as the sands on the seashore. So many, in fact, that the Pharaoh of Egypt goes time out. There are so many of these people, I'm a little bit concerned that there's going to be rebellion and so they put them into slavery. That's how they get into slavery in Egypt. And then God calls Moses and Moses goes and he's God's instrument to, to bring his people out of slavery in Egypt. They cross over the Red Sea miraculously. And then at Mount Sinai, God gives them the Ten Commandments and he reconfirms his promise to them. And he says, I will give you the land. And if you know the story, they end up getting to the land. God miraculously provides for them over and over and over again. And they get to the promised land the first time and they don't believe God's promise. And so he does not allow that generation into the promised land. And so now, here they are a second time at the precipice of walking into the promised land. And Abraham is dead, and Isaac is dead, Jacob is dead, Joseph is dead. And the people of Israel have been horribly disobedient. They've grumbled, they've complained all their way to the promised land for the second time and now Moses is dead and what remains of God's promise? Everything remains of God's promise. And this is the the point of this text, right? That God's promises are not dependent on our foolishness. God's God's promises are not dependent on how good we act or how bad we act. God's promises are rock solid. And he's getting ready to lead this people into the promised land to ensure that his promise is not thwarted. And so, as we walk this road of risk-taking, of obedience, of various things that God will call us to do, we have some very great and precious promises that we can be confident in. Now, little parentheses here. God's promises, friends, are not that the Christian life is gonna be all sunshine and daisies. Not that you're gonna be rich and comfortable and happy. But God does promise us, James five for instance, or sorry, James one, if you're making a decision, Right? maybe you're making a decision about where to move or what job to take or who to marry or where to go to college. And God says, does he say, I will tell you exactly where to go to college? Does he say, I will tell you exactly where to move? No, but he does say in James 1, 5, I will give wisdom to those who ask for it. Are you anxious about your risk-taking, about the decisions that God might be calling you to make? Are you filled with worry? God says, you need not be anxious. If you submit all your anxieties, all your worries to me, I will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's a rock solid promise that we can plant our feet on. Are you unsure of what you're supposed to do? What risks you're supposed to take? John 15 says, if you will abide, In me, if you will stay close to me, you will bear much fruit, fruit that lasts. See, friends, so often we get outside of God's word when it comes to his promises. We have our own ideas of what we ought to expect. But let us go to God's word and look to his promises because they are unshakable they are indestructible. They are the foundation of all of our risk-taking. Risk-takers are, one, confident in God's promises. Number two, they are empowered by God's presence. Verse five, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. So God has said to Joshua, no man will stand before you. No king, no ruler, no soldier, no government will be able to get in your way because I have a plan and my promises are sure and you will inherit this land, right? So let us consider, why is it that no man can stand before Joshua? Is it because he has big muscles? Is it because he's a really good fighter? Is it because his boys have got his back? Is it because he's really smart and cunning and has a good strategy? Of course not. The answer is found here. For I will be with you. I will not forsake you. Had Joshua and the Israelites tried to cross the Jordan River on their own, they would have been in big trouble. And if they had some way managed to get across, if they had gone north perhaps, they would have marched down to Jericho and they would have got it handed to them. But over and over and over, God performs miracles amongst his people in order that his promises and his purposes will necessarily happen. He performed right? He, he does this at the Jordan River. He says, here's what you're to do. And it's humanly impossible. And God does what is humanly impossible. And he dries up the Jordan River and they walk across on dry land. It seems absurd, right? And then they march to this first kingdom of Jericho. And if we think in, in our own minds about the plan, it's, it's absurd, right? I'd like you to walk around the city one time every day. On the seventh day, walk around seven times, then blow the trumpets and scream real loud. It's lunacy, right? If you, if, if you blow the trumpets and scream real loud and have faith, I'm going to crumble the walls of this city. Jericho actually had two walls, an outer and an inner wall. I'm gonna crumble the walls of this city. That's bad military strategy. But God says, I will do what you cannot do so that my promises will come to be true, will prove themselves to be true. And all those who are in Christ, friends who are in the room, if you have given your life to Christ, you have the same empowering spirit that was with Joshua in the work and the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit... Is the power by which you and I do anything that matters, anything that has eternal significance. So, as you and I take the command of Jesus, right, the ultimate command of Jesus to take the gospel into all the world, into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and to make disciples of all nations and to baptize them, we can go in the confidence that it is not based on our eloquence. It's not based on our our evangelism strategy. It is based on the fact that God has promised, I am calling people to myself from every tribe and tongue and nation. And if you will be obedient to me, I will perform miracles in hearts and minds in order that my promises will necessarily be kept. Any risk that you take, friends, that is not taken in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit is a waste of your time. And that's why this is important. We don't just take risks and do things all willy-nilly for the sake of it, to risk for the sake of risks, so though we can come to Pastor Chad and say, hey, I risked. But if you keep in step with the Spirit, as we talked about in our Empowered series, if you walk in the power of the spirit, instead of your own power, God will use you. He will perform miracles in and through your lives and amongst the people that you interact with in order to ensure that his promises are kept. Risk takers are confident in God's promises. They are empowered by God's presence. And third, they are obedient to God's word. I had a lady at the last service that missed that point. She's like, what's point three out there? So let me repeat it. It's really important. Risk takers are obedient to God's word. Verse seven. Only be strong and very courageous. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now, this is important. We always need to understand our Bible in context, and we need to realize how it is that God functions today. What God was doing with Joshua is giving him moment by moment, step by step instructions. And those instructions were for Joshua and for the people of Israel at a specific point in time for a specific purpose. God today I'm not sure exactly how the communication happened with Joshua. Uh, That's a big conversation. But God today does not boom out of the clouds and say, Joe, turn left. Keep walking. Keep walking. Stop right there. You're going to fall off. Okay. Right? That's That's not how God functions with us today. God communicates with us. God, listen. God speaks to you and to me in his word. The Bible is not just a book about God. The Bible is not just a bunch of words that God inspired other men to write. The Bible is the very word of God. The very word, right, that caused light to shine out of darkness, right? God's words have power. Let there be light boom. Right? That is the kind of power that is contained in his revelation to us in his word. And now we actually, you know, some of us might be like, well, if he would boom out of the clouds or like, you know, if I could have an earpiece, you know, like one of those super CIA earpieces that was just connected to God all the time, it'd be really easy to take risks, (laughs) But well, that's not how God communicates with us. He communicates us to us through his word. And while we might not have the particulars about exactly what job you should take or where you should go to college or what move you should make or what people you should engage with, you do have in God's word instructions for how you should live, how you should interact with people, the risks that you should take and the means to accomplish those things. Notice this. He says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. So the call is to obedience to the word and the way to Be obedient to the word is to be in the word. You see that? Be obedient to the word. The way in which you will be obedient is by being in the word. So what is happening? How does that that work? Here's what happens. As we commit ourselves in in the power of the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit illuminates, shows us things in the Bible, brings truth out of the Bible to us. And as we commit to the study of the scriptures, the Holy Spirit conforms and transforms our mind into the mind of Christ. As we desire to be obedient to his word, we spend time in it and the Holy Spirit does something supernatural that causes us to be obedient. you will find that God has good works planned for you that you should walk in them. Ephesians 2. And as you read that and as you seek the Lord, the Holy Spirit will transform your mind, conform it to the mind of Christ in order that you will be obedient when those good works present themselves. You will find instructions on how to treat your spouse and how to raise your children and how to live in community with one another, how to bear one another's burdens, how to take care of the least and the last and the lost, how to go into the world, both here and abroad and preach the gospel. If you look to the pages of the Bible you will find that being a Christ follower promises trials and hardships and therefore you will learn that the decisions that you should make shouldn't always be the easiest decisions or the decisions that cause you and your family the least amount of pain. When you consider choices in your life, the places you will live, the places you will go, the missions that you will engage. God will not give you step-by-step instructions, but the Bible does provide these guide rails for the path. And whenever there is a decision that is outside of the Bible, we ought to completely ignore it. I have heard things like this, I'm not kidding. God told me to divorce her. That's absurd. It's not funny. These are, that's absurd. There are men around Cleveland that are claiming to have prophetic power, word from God to speak into people's lives. That's absurd. God speaks in his word and they are the guide rails for life. And anything that is not in the book, throw it away. God will never, ever, ever, ever tell you to do something that is outside of the constraints of the Bible. It will not happen. But outside of that, go for it, man. Go for it. Because here's what happens. We'll do a couple of things. Sometimes we over-spiritualize things that have no need of being over-spiritualized right? Like if, if we are spending time in the word, we're sinking our roots deep into it. And our mind is being conformed to that of Christ. There are things that we can just do because we know they are the heart of Christ. The other night we went out to dinner with some friends and our waitress was having a monster of a night. You could just tell she was not doing well. She dropped a glass. The service was really bad. And we were sitting at the table waiting for our bill and my wife is gone. And where did she go? She's across the room the lady was wiping the table and my wife just went and ministered to her. She didn't need to go, oh Lord, should I, should I go and minister to this young woman? Of course you should, right? Those are the types of things we, we over-spiritualize and then we, 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 we blame our lack of obedience on not hearing from God. When we already know, and, you and I, I, I've been there, you and I know when those moments are, when you know I am not being obedient. I'm trying to get out of this. Sometimes we'll over spiritualize and under obey, where we really—it's—it's it's a bigger decision, and we have sought the Lord on it, and we've—we've—we've we've, we've prayed and we've sought counsel, and it's just like, whoo, that's really scary. I am not sure I want to go there. And then we here's here's our excuse. I'm just I'm waiting on the Lord. Come on. Now, I don't want to take anything away from waiting on the Lord. That's a biblical concept. But sometimes we slap these biblical concepts onto things that God has already confirmed in our hearts. And we make excuses for being disobedient and we plaster psychobabble onto it. Here's the third thing that we do. We will under-spiritualize and over-obey. And we over-obey, not because we're obeying Christ, but because we're obeying ourselves. We will under-spiritualize and over-obey. We really haven't spent time seeking the Lord. We really haven't spent time on our knees in prayer and fasting. We really haven't sought out good biblical counsel because we know what those people will say we're not gonna wanna hear. And so we make the decision that we want to make, and then we say, well, God told me. Right? Right? When everybody around us is going, what are you doing? Right, the young adult guy who calls the girl and says, I've been seeking the Lord and he told me that we need to go on a date. And she goes, he didn't tell me that. (laughs) We like to make our own decisions and then slap a Jesus sticker onto it. When the truth is, we haven't really sought the Lord. I've experienced a lot of Christians, friends, who want the big answers to the big questions, who want the answers to the big decisions in life, and they don't want to spend the time seeking the Lord. just want the answer key. And that's not the way that God has set his community up, his kingdom up. That's why he tells Joshua, Go, go deep. Do not let this word de- depart from your mouth. Don't turn even a degree away from it. Meditate on it. The word in the Hebrew is haga, and it means to mutter to oneself, right? Like when you're trying to remember a phone number: 440-746-0404, 440-7-4-6-0-4-0-4 And then you get and you write it down. That is, that's the concept of meditation. It's, it's deeper than that, but that's what the word means. To run it through your brain, to run it through your heart, to be so in tuned with God's word that it's, part of, it's just part of your daily routine. Every, every decision that you make, every person you encounter, you have scripture that is coming out because you have spent time digging into it and memorizing it and applying it to your life. I used to have a girl and I hope she's watching online today. There was a high school girl, she used to come into my office all the time and just ask these monster questions. And I would get you know big fat theological books off them of and I would go, if you want the answer to that, you're gonna have to read this. Like the, you know, the question you're asking is not easy. And sometimes she would take the book, sometimes she would read the book. A lot of times she would just go, isn't there a video I can watch? Or she would go, come on, you know the answer. Can't you just explain it to me? And I would go, no, I can't. But I think that's how fickle we are. We just say to God, I don't want to really spend time in prayer. I don't really want to study the Bible. I don't really want to seek your face. I don't really want to look for Christian men and women who are seeking you as well. I just want you to give me the answer, please. Well, you won't. Well, I'll just do what I want. The truth, friends that we find in the Bible guides any wayward thoughts that we might have. The Bible will rebuff our poor thinking and foolish decision-making. It points us to truth and to other brothers and sisters to give us sound biblical insight bathed in prayer. So if you're really seeking God, If you're really seeking him in Bible study and prayer, then make decisions and go for it. As the Lord impresses things on your heart, make decisions and move forward. But if you're not, if you're really not doing those things, pump the brakes. Because what you might be doing is not what you ought to be doing. Author and pastor, scholar, Dale Ralph Davis puts it this way. I love this quote. Write it down, take a picture of it, put it on your wall. Constant, careful absorbing of the word of God leads to obedience to it. Lack of study results in lack of obedience. Later down the quote, he says, life in the kingdom of God must be lived out of the word of God. So, Risk-taking 101. Risk-takers are confident in God's promises. Risk-takers are empowered by God's presence. And risk-takers are obedient to God's word. As we close, I wanna point you to the most incredible risk-taker ever. Risk is defined as a situation where there might be danger or hurt or loss. And Jesus Christ is the ultimate risk taker. Philippians tells us that he was enjoying the comforts of heaven and that he chose to condescend, to humble himself, to make himself low. In order that, He might be the fulfillment of all of God's promises. You see throughout the Old Testament all of these prophecies, promises of God. There will be a Messiah who will come, one who will pay the penalty for his people, that he will be born of a virgin, that he would be crucified with thieves that he would be betrayed, that his sacrifice would be the payment for the sins of the world, that he would ascend to heaven and be seated at the right hand of God. And then Jesus himself makes this promise. He says, behold, I am coming soon. So Jesus fulfills God's promises of the Messiah And Jesus is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Every step of Jesus' life is empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us this over and over again. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit to minister, Acts 10. He was able to live the sinless life that he lived by the power of the Holy Spirit, Hebrews 9.14. The Holy Spirit was the source of Jesus' wisdom, Isaiah 11. The Spirit was the power behind his miracles, Matthew 12, 28. And this one, Romans 8, it is the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He was the fulfillment of the prophecies, of the promises. He was empowered by the Spirit. And Jesus was obedient to the word of his Father. Philippians 2, verse 7. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of human flesh. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. John 14, 31, Jesus says, I do as the Father has commanded me to do so that the world may know that I love the Father. All of the fullness of God is found in this man, Jesus Christ. And he was exposed to the worst danger in the world. You wanna talk about risk? The worst danger in the world is sin. And while Jesus never sinned, when he hung on that cross, he chose to open himself up to that danger on your behalf and on my behalf. He chose to open himself up to all of our sin and take it on himself in order that we might be offered forgiveness, in in order that we might be reconciled to God. And the Bible tells us that if you would put your faith and your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ, that he will forgive your sins, that he will give you a new life. And I'm pleading this morning with you. If you've never given your life to Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Perhaps, the best risk, not perhaps, the best risk that you will ever take in your life is to give your life to Jesus. And it is a risk because it will be dangerous. You will have trials. It's not gonna be a cakewalk, but the risk pays off because the promises of God are sure and you will have an inheritance in heaven that is imperishable and incorruptible. The most foolish risk you will ever take in your life is to deny Jesus Christ. Because while those who risk their lives for Jesus on this earth will have the hope of heaven and a peace in this life that surpasses all understanding, those who choose to stiff arm Jesus will have nothing but the hope of misery and pain, lack of presence of God in a place called hell for all eternity. And so I'm just gonna ask all of you if you would bow your heads and pray with me this morning. And if you're a believer here, if you've given your life to Jesus, I wanna ask you to begin to pray now for those in the room who've never given their lives to Christ. Would you begin to plead with me? that the Holy Spirit would open people's eyes and hearts and that they would be strong and courageous to step into the risk of giving their lives to Jesus. If you're here this morning and you've never chosen to walk away from your sin, to turn away from it and to accept Jesus as your Savior, I'm gonna ask you to say this prayer with me and there's nothing specifically special about this prayer But God knows your heart this morning and if you truly desire to turn away from your old life and receive new life in Christ, God will do something miraculously in your life today. He will come into your life and he will change you and he will give you a hope and he will give you the power of the Holy Spirit. He'll give you a mission and hope for heaven. If that's you, would you pray with me? Father, I realize that I'm a sinner And that my sin ruins my relationship with you. I thank you, Jesus, for leaving the comfort of heaven in order to come to the earth, die at a cross, and take the penalty that I deserve. This morning, I repent of my sin, and I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life and make me a new person. Make me a risk taker for you so that others might come to know the grace and forgiveness that I'm experiencing today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer this morning and you really meant it in your heart, a few things. One, you have a promise of God that you can put your feet on. And it's in 2 Corinthians 5 and it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Amen. If you would, if you said that prayer this morning, there's a, in your program, there's this little piece in the back that says response card. And if you would just put your name on the card and put a check in that box and put it in the offering plate, We're not gonna like bother you or knock on your door, but I'd love to follow up with you and teach you a little bit more about what it means to be a Christ follower and link you in with some of the resources that we have so that you can grow. For all of you who are believers in the room, my family here at CVC, I wanna say, let us be risk takers And not just flippant, but risk takers who will stand firm on God's promises, move forward empowered by his spirit, always being obedient to his word. Let us dive deep into his word and not let it depart from our mouths. Let us meditate on it day and night. And he will empower us to do all that he has called us to do so that his promises will come true. And, that, so the, and so that we will bear much fruit. I'll close with verse nine as we close this series. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen.